morning, good morning, good morning. It's Cut to the Chase at 8 with Queen MC. That is me, y'all, Madison Chase. It is Thursday. So Monday through Thursday, we talk health because there truly is your wealth. And Fridays, we talk about my favorite brands. And some of my favorite brands are people, things that are doing positive things in the community, eco-friendly, plant-based, uh, great for the earth and the environment, uh, products, people, things. Uh, and then on Saturdays, I love to talk about healthy relationships. And then on Sundays, uh, I talk about what fills your soul. Uh, but today, I was having a beautiful conversation with my beautiful sister friend, Queen. Uh, C is what I'll call her. I don't know if she wants me to share this conversation, but we were talking about a lot of things. So I want to share some of what we talked about. And um, yeah, we'll hear a word from our sponsor and then we'll jump right into this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Cut to the Chase at 8 with the Queen MC, Madison Chase. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast, all you have to do is call 213-538-2348. Again, it's 213-538-2348. If you'd like to continue this conversation, you can find Madison at Official Madison Chase Fitness on Facebook, on Instagram, and on YouTube, she is Madison Chase Fitness. And then on Twitter, she is Madison Chase Fit. Okay, so today I had the mass client this morning and we had a great session. And then I got a text message at the end of our session from my beautiful sister friend, Queen, Queen C. And we talked about a lot of things, you know, just uh, relationships and life. And one of the things she started to share with me was just, I think, in terms of what has happened in and, and or what's happening in our world, I think the way that we grieve is so important to the way that we continue to live life. And one of the things that she talked about was uh, in the, the realization of this country losing one of the most iconic athletes in the world, Kobe Bryant and his beautiful daughter, Gigi, um, there have been a couple of people, I think people in terms of tragedies, whether it's a tragedy that affects one person or if it affects a community, people find ways to profit. And whether that profit is using that particular event, whether it is Hurricane Katrina or the tsunami, people find ways, people and organizations often find ways to make themselves relevant to be a part of a conversation. And I think the thing that saddens me and in us having this conversation about 
a couple of people who have used uh, this tragic loss of life. And that's one of the things that I've been focused on is that he was still a person. Yes, he's iconic. Yes, he did some amazing things for basketball, but he was still someone's son. He was still someone's husband. He was still someone's father, cousin, best friend, confidant, mentor to a lot of kids. But even with all of that, he was still a person who people loved. And so uh, we talked about Whitney Houston. I was like, I don't like that we as people sometimes don't have a regard for life. We don't have this, like life is precious. And one of the things I share with her, I was like, the thing that saddens me is that we don't realize uh, we as African Americans are a community that is in pain. And we've been in pain for so long. And I attribute it to working out. Like when you're injured, your body can still function and you your body learns how to operate around dysfunction. And so we're doing that with the this tragic accident of Kobe. And I read this article and it talked about how African-American men see themselves in Kobe because they aspire to be great like Kobe was. And so I think men see that he was a great man and, and he did, you know, amend his relationship with his wife and his kids and they went on to have more kids and they went on to you know live this this beautiful loving life in this relationship uh and so you've had people who have come out and and spoke against and there are other african-american men and i think i was like we have to take into consideration the pain that we keep inflicting on each other and then if we don't heal and or grieve in a healthy way then we continue to lash out and lash out at people who may have caused maybe not personally but they represent the image of someone causing you pain and in the african-american community we have inflicted pain on each other and even though and i think sometimes when we talk about relationships and dating black women African-American women, we tend to be the least considered. And then if we're not considered by black men, then we're not considered. And so I think there is this thing where we keep lashing out at each other. And it is, um, it's a symptom of grief and it is a symptom of someone who is in pain. And so in terms of, you know, the media, uh, being responsible for whether it's Whitney Houston, even Michael Jackson. And so that was kind of some of our conversation. I was like, I don't like that when someone passes away in a tragic accident. And I I think the thing that I was focused on was like, what is the force part of this tragic accident? And I said it in my podcast, I was like, there needs to be some kind of legislation because Kobe and the rest of those eight people and his beautiful daughter and those other families should still have their loved ones here. So what is the bigger picture and why are people these expensive uh, 
private jets and airplanes and like there should be a more stringent if you're paying that much money there should be more safety precautions that people don't have to lose their families and tragic accidents yes it was convenient and yes I wish he would have driven and he and the rest of the his daughter and those seven other people would still be here and I think the Altabelli family who lost um, a mother, a father, and their daughter as well, and they have two remaining siblings, they are having their memorial service today in Anaheim. Uh, so if you're in Anaheim, California, please go pay your respects to that family who lost their entire family. And I think there are a son, they left behind a son and a daughter. So... One of the things that I was sharing with her is I've seen people try to tell people how to grieve. And I think that's also part of the grieving process. You can't tell someone how they should grieve. You can't tell someone what to say. And I think when you're so sensitive and grieving and then oftentimes, especially men, especially African-American men who have this this ownership of Kobe because they kind of represent not them but they represent a part of them right uh kind of like Michael Jordan is to a lot of people so I think so I'm seeing a lot of sensitive uh like we're very touchy right now and I think we are going through this grieving process and it is going to take a minute for us to actually go through it But the thing is, we're going through it. So I was talking to my friend, Queen C, and we started talking about uh, some of the the media who has taken this as an opportunity to, you know, either get ratings or either talk about things that they shouldn't be talking about because Kobe is not here. And I think that's the thing. And even with Whitney Houston, when they try to talk about her uh, in a negative light and questioning her uh, friendship with Rob and who was her best friend I was like that is so disrespectful on so many levels because she's not here so whether it's Whitney Houston and I don't know why we feel entitled to talk about things or moments uh, in people's lives when they're not here to defend themselves and so what I was sharing with her is these media outlets who are saying, oh, if you take it out of context, there are certain things that you can't take out of context. And if you are a journalist and if you are someone who does that for a living, I was like, it's kind of like me going to the gym. And when I go to the gym and I demonstrate, people are like, oh, Madison, you make it look so easy. It's because I have practice doing it. And so as a journalist, yes. You can blame it on the network and their cut of a take. But if you feel a certain way internally and not just about Kobe, but if you feel a certain way about black men and you haven't grieved that thing and you haven't grieved uh what some black men may have done to you that you find Kobe as a representative, then your question comes out like that because you haven't dealt with that scab because it's still fresh for you now Uh, because he represents that man or black men who may have done something to you or maybe they didn't do anything physically to you or maybe you felt entitled that they should do something for you. And I'm speaking as a whole for any outlet, any media outlet 
who has said some not so kind things about Kobe in in the wake of an awful tragedy. Not just like that is so beyond me that we could even start talking about this man and making one thing the totality of his character. And I say the same thing about Whitney Houston. Like that's why I was so livid that anyone could come out with a book that doesn't speak kindly about her. And the same thing with Michael Jackson. I don't care how you felt about him. But to talk about him and to try to do a documentary when he is no longer here, it is mind blowing to me. And what it shows me is that we have a lot of people who are in pain. And when you're in pain, you tend to lash out at people in conversation and it comes out at your job. And so that's what I think we're seeing. But also share with her, I was like, the thing that that hurts me the most is that young people in terms of grieving their siblings, those are the kids who are are lost and they're already dealing with trying to find their space in a world where it is often very hard. So one of the things she talked about, she talked about um, a couple of other celebrities who've come to the defense of Kobe and in remaining and keeping his legacy intact and untarnished. And, you know, she talked about how this one person called another person out of her name. And I was like, we got to deal with the traumas that we have inflicted on each other as African-American men and African-American women. And, you know, calling someone out of their names should never be okay. But historically, it has been okay in rap music and hip hop culture. And generally, when you look at the beginning of hip hop culture, it was not kind to African American women. And it has never been kind to African American women. And in the civil rights movement, essentially, black women and black people, when women became minorities, our plight in our movement for getting equal rights was weakened because now you have other people who have taken on the plight where, again, if you look at the hierarchy of what happens in this society, black women are often forgotten. So I was like, I think we have to stop lashing out at each other and looking at the big picture. And even when I have this conversation, I was like, there are so many things that we don't talk about in our community that doesn't need to be public, but now it's public because we want to talk about everything and everything does doesn't need to be talked about and or shared in a public forum because we still have issues in our community, especially in the African-American community, where we are still suffering and the suffering looks like the attack. So now we have this tragic loss of this great man who is iconic and who will forever be iconic. And we could see it in regardless of how you feel about Bill Cosby. I didn't like when Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live and Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock and Tracy Morgan took a dig on him. This man did iconic things for black culture in the 90s where we didn't see a representation of ourselves being doctors and lawyers and having a happy 
middle class, well-to-do life. Like that wasn't on television. So regardless of how you feel about Bill Cosby, he paved the way for so many comedians. And so to let this thing that I think is bigger, like you didn't have to say that Bill Cosby is in jail blind and it it just it it felt like he was stepping on the neck of the person who actually paved the way for him and so i think in terms of how we lash out at each other it is a cause and effect and it is a byproduct of a sickness that is also part of the symptom. And if we don't deal with the sickness, and one of the things I was sharing with my friend, I was like, we don't realize, and I think having worked in diabetes and hypertension and the the two diseases that affect African-Americans uh, the most, I said, we have the thing that slavery did for us is it bred genes that are phenomenal. You can't deny that if you take the strongest African-American female and you breed her breeding, cause that's what they did to us. And you breed her with the strongest African-American man, you're going to get a lineage of the NFL being 80% African-American, the NBA being 80%, 70 to 60% African-American and Tiger Woods dominating golf and the two or three NHL players that are African-American you get us dominating a sport period and I was like there's a reason why but I think the thing that is so heartbreaking for me is that we have amazing genes and the difference in how we utilize those genes is we still eat the food and the scraps of the food and we've made it okay and tolerable by putting hot sauce on chitlins. Like nobody should still be eating chitlins, but there are people in the South because I'm from the South and we still eat chitlins. And I was like, I think that we do ourselves a disservice uh, as a community Uh, by making certain things okay when we have been blessed with this gift and the idea that we don't think that we deserve certain things. And what I shared with her was Georgetown University realized that that university benefited from uh, the African-American slaves that essentially built that university that were slaves to people who attended that university and they're doing uh, a service and reparations for descendants of those African-American slaves, right? And I'm like, if a university can do it, so can this country. Uh, and I think collectively, we don't think that we deserve it. And so the mindset of people who think that they don't deserve it is a whole thing within itself. And I was like, I think 
part of our problem is that we have been inflicting pain on each other for so long and we've allowed other people to inflict pain on each other you know even watching people in the media when you have two an african-american man and an african-american woman who are having a public disagreement and watching uh, african-american men still inflict pain on african-american women so I think we have to deal with and start talking about these issues. And I think we're so disjointed and so divided. You know, if you live on one side of the town, if you're from the East Coast, if you're from the West Coast, if you're from you like this team or you you speak Spanish or you don't speak Spanish. We have been socialized to be so disjointed. Uh, And then the idea of assimilation that we want to go to the best schools and generally the best school is not the black school because the only uh, community that was able to actually build themselves up was the uh, wall black wall street in Tulsa Oklahoma and there was a lesson for that that we still haven't learned in how to build community uh, within uh, a black community and there's a reason why you have Koreatown there's a reason why you have people who are immigrants who are able to come and collectively understand what community is and they're able to support each other's businesses and support each other as a family and that's one thing that we haven't learned to do well there are some people and there are some conscious people who are doing that and people who are voicing their opinions like I love Yara Shahidi who's a millennial and watching her is so inspirational to me and David Banner who really speaks about community and building community and us learning how to do that starts with loving each other in our words and our actions and calling each other queens and kings and not the n-word because that n-word has historical references that isn't steeped in and I don't even say oh peep that's a beast or she's a beast because if you look at those words historically they also have power and words become things our thoughts become things and we have to be careful with our words and how we use them to empower or to deflect or to defame or to uh use them against people and I think it starts with us loving and building community within so that we could eventually be a united front and that's how it starts and we're seeing the seeds that have been planted uh, in the media and we're seeing the seeds of people who haven't dealt with their grief and their traumas we're seeing that now Uh, so it's the forest and then looking at the trees and I think we have to do both you have to look at the trees and you have to look at the forest and I've always said that there are no diseases that that's genetic I don't believe that it's genetic I think the things that we have learned are habitual we learn how to eat we learn how to deal with stress from our parents and the people that we surround ourselves with so even in dieting and exercise and watching people one thing that we've learned you know the small example of what the health when Dr. Milton Mills went to the USDA food pyramid committee and he said 86% of African Americans we have a gene that shuts off in our body that doesn't allow us to process dairy but yet and still it's on the food pyramid so we see a historical reference of how 
just from the USDA food pyramid that African-Americans were not considered. And the interesting thing is, if it had been the reverse, where would we be in terms of maximizing the genetic gift that we've been given? So this is Cut to the Chase at 8. These are just my Thursday thoughts. Thank you for listening. And we will chat tomorrow.